When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody, and welcome again. Thank you so much for listening, and it's Alante yet again. And today, I have a special guest who I love dearly, and she's amazing. And the reason that I love her so much is because she is my mama. Say hey, mom. Hi. So she is my first guest on my podcast, and we'll be talking about all things grad school, um, learning about her experience as a graduate student, and maybe um, a little bit more about she and I. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. So, um, Mom, can you introduce yourself and tell us who you are, what you do, and what you want people to know? Sure. Thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast today. Uh, I'm Lisa Whitmore Davis. My first uh, role is that I'm uh, Alante's mom. I'm John Henry's wife. I'm Smokey's human. Uh, I make money, uh, and my vocation is I am serving as interim vice president of multicultural leadership for African-American audience for AARP. Uh, when I'm not in my interim role, I'm associate state director for community outreach for uh, AARP Michigan. I've worked for AARP about seven years, but I am a connector of resources, people. Uh, I love to design events and activities that allow people to learn something as well as have a great time. There's nothing like a great party, in my uh, opinion. This is true. Um, I love to sing. Uh, I love uh, to serve. Uh, I'm, uh, I guess, a professional volunteer. Definitely. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm... Uh, and I'm Herb's daughter. I'm a caregiver. I'm a physical caregiver for my 84-year-old dad. And he is uh, he's a joy. Yes, he is. So, um, and what I do, I... Um, Where'd you go? To, well, let's tell, tell us a little about your grad school uh, background. Like, what'd you get your degrees in? Well... I am a non-traditional grad, graduate student. Mm-hmm. Um, I went back to school to get my graduate degree because I got beat out of a job because they said that people would prefer to interact with someone who had a master's degree. I was so pissed. Can I say pissed? Yes, you can say okay. pissed. And so I went back to school. Got my master's in public administration. I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. It was a 18-month uh, accelerated program uh, through Central Michigan University. While I was uh, in my master's program, I uh, 
wrote an essay and was able to do an overseas study at the University of Rome for yes, two weeks. study abroad. And I always wanted to study abroad, but I was a, 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 a parent when I was getting my undergrad of a little little brown-haired girl. So I don't know I have brown hair. Oh, well, they do now. <laughs> they do now. <laughs> so I... Uh, wasn't able to do an overseas study so I was lucky I really enjoyed doing the overseas study in uh, graduate school uh, in Rome living there for about 12 days going Mm -hmm. to the University of Rome for compressed course and then I a lot of my professors said you know you're pretty good at this you really should think about teaching you should really think about getting your PhD and so I didn't want to, uh, I wanted to get a traditional brick and mortar PhD. So I applied. What does that even mean, a brick and mortar PhD? Um, it has a certain amount of rigor. Um, but it like is, literally, brick literally, and mortar, what do you meaning mean? I go to, you know, I'm at a, I'm not doing it online. Okay, cool. Yeah, I'm not doing it online. Yeah. And so it a lot of times, and I've noticed because I do want to have a career in teaching. Sometimes I'm noticing some of the postings they say online PhDs aren't accepted oh, wow. as a credential. So I just really wanted to make sure I was competitive. And if I was going to sink this amount of time in my life at this time of my life, Okay. Right, right, right. 40, so, 48 years old, yeah. starting a PhD, PhD program. program. Yeah. That, that's, 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 that's an investment of time. And so I said I wanted to make sure I, would, I was going to pursue a PhD that I didn't have any question. Later, someone said, well, we, you can't teach or you won't qualify for this teacher position because you've got an online program. Because I did look at them. I looked mm, at a couple. Yeah, I remember we had a discussion about some of the, and no shade to the Capellas of the world or anything like that. It's yeah. just, um, again, it's like a like I think Mom kind of made clear and illustrated that there's like a little bit of, um, uh, lost opportunity sometimes due to getting an online PhD. So right. definitely something you want to consider, but. Um, I think that's a pretty good start, Mom. I like that we, uh, yeah, let's like look at each other because we're having a conversation. Um, I don't even know where to start. I, I really didn't have it planned kind of since we were at dinner. I was like, oh, it would be kind of fun if Mom and I sat and did a recording together because I think that our conversations are funny uh, <laughs> sometimes. So we already talked about your week, but in your new job, so... What are your thoughts on, like, well, I mean, you tell us a bit about your education and your trajectory. So, um, you know, I spent a couple of my days in class with you mm-hmm. uh, as a kid. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why I like being in school to <laughs> a fault now. <laughs> Here I am back in school. Um, but, like, what was it like? juggling like a full-time job you know having a family having a husband even though I was in school at the time but I was still relatively young and I wasn't as I was more needy than I am now I I would like to believe I feel like I'm a little bit more (laughs) independent now than I was at like 22 23 so 
how did you what what was your like strategy for balancing all of that when you were getting your master's um in my master's I really always aligned myself with a strong group Mm -hmm. and we naturally kind of migrated to one another it was myself uh uh about three other folks and we all sat together for almost 18 months so how did you even approach them to be like we're gonna be school friends well um the one guy who he and i were the anchors he and i just happened to sit near each other because we like to sit near the back and i like to be near the window <laughs> that was how you picked your seating. Yeah, that's how I picked to the window, window in the back. back. Yeah, you know that the back is like the least, the place of least focus for like students. Well, we were smart, <laughs> and okay. we ruled the back. Was he black? No, he was a white guy. Okay, okay, so cool white guy. And he was from uh, Upper Michigan. Mm-hmm. Oh wow! And worked is a probation officer and eventually after we got our degree he became the like head probation officer for his county oh wow but um he was he was like me we're smart but we're like it doesn't take all of that oh lord we wanted, yeah because okay. the folks who did way more than was ne- totally necessary to get an a sat in the front mm. and we Every once in a while, they would make us mix up and we couldn't be in a group together, but we would always try to migrate together because we always had, uh, we all got A's. Mm -hmm. Um, I got one B through the whole program. That Mm -hmm. was in my methods course. So it was you, the guy, and two other people. Two other people. Okay. Were they black? They were black. Okay. Yeah. Just trying to see if we, you know, if we cluster together. In her life, in her experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, and, and like, what was the name of your young. program, Mom? You didn't uh, even say. A master's in public administration. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. And I really enjoyed uh, a lot of the projects. Mm-hmm. He was a great writer, but I could pull together the 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 body of what okay. the the frame of what the project would be mm-hmm. um but he would he was good with the writing and then everybody else I would kind of I kind of would run the when I he think about it team. I was leader of the team because mm-hmm. I would delegate out and people who were on our team everybody even though we give the assignment and since it was accelerated to mm-hmm. a certain extent from Central Michigan you don't, you didn't have a lot of time to waste no, so sure. we we would always, we had a younger lady who, um, Tiffany, who worked for Sprint. She was mm-hmm. an assistant manager for the Sprint store, and this was like her second master's. Mm-hmm. But she was good with Prezi, and oh, she'd make okay. the PowerPoints come alive mm-hmm. and, and really look good. So everybody had their level of expertise, and we would um, just get it done. Right. And... Uh, Stay. We wouldn't make it more work than it had to be, mm-hmm. you know. And um, we and we enjoyed each other. Okay. So yeah. you found people that you well, one you found a team. Yeah. That you could work with through sounds like almost all your classes. Yes. So you created your own cohort. Yeah. And then you also actually enjoy each other's company, which is mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. So how did you balance like work and school? Like how did those two? How did you make those work? 
how did I make those work? In the master's program, from it would be Friday night and all day on Saturday. So all day from eight in the morning until oh, that's when you had class. That's when you had class. No, you didn't have yeah. class on, on Saturday? Saturdays. Yeah, I thought you had class on like a Thursday. Or no, or no, no. Well, at Eastern I did. Oh, okay. I'm getting yeah, you get the okay. PhD yeah. mixed with the other. We're gonna talk about the PhD too. But yeah, we don't focus on but that I from. 4.30 till 9, almost 10 o'clock at night on a Friday. You study. I No, I'll be in class. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then it's you get up. up it's been a couple get, years since you've been out. Oh, I graduated in 2012. I graduated when you did. From you graduated in December? I graduated. You sure did graduate in December. Yeah. I started my master's. Yeah. Right. I got my master's the same year you got your undergrad. Yep. So, um, I, um, it was a stretch, you know, um, Every other was two, we'd meet twice a month on a weekend. So mm-hmm. everything that I needed to do, if I needed to do any personal travel, um, it had to be between those times, as well as get my homework and my projects done, because we did a lot of projects and a lot of presentations. And um, I think, I know that program helped me to be a stronger presenter. Mm-hmm. Wait, um, no, no, no. You're getting off track, though. Okay. How did you... My balance. How did you balance? My balance. Um, had to have set times when I was going to study. Mm-hmm. Um, set time, like I said, when I was going to travel or when I had a work activity, I would build my work events around oh, my school schedule. schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I even pledged a sorority. She sure that, did. <laughs> during that time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. And uh, <laughs> luckily, this, those those Saturdays and weekends fell on the right other Saturdays. I I was singing the choir. Right. I was about to ask you how you made it work on Sunday. So let me tell y'all about Deaconess Lisa Whitmore Davis. Oh, Every Sunday, both services. She she sits through both of them and sings on the praise and worship team for both of them at her cute little church on the east side of the city that we live in. I won't tell too many details, but what? They already know we live in Detroit. That's true. I forgot. <laughs> the east side of the city is wide. Just beautiful church on the east side. She goes sing praises to the Lord every Sunday. Only time she not there is if she's not in Detroit. So I know that was a big sac. That you didn't have to sacrifice that, but still having to include that. On top of like mom does like the most. So she's also I'm gonna just. We'll just list it out so we can hear it and have it recorded somewhere in history. <laughs> that Lisa Woodward Davis was had a full time job. Was at the time when she was in her grad program, so a student. She uh, pledged the illustrious Alpha Kappa Alpha sorority. I haven't said that. I'm also Greek, so yes. Yeah, so uh, me and my mom and I are both AKAs. So uh, I pinned her <laughs> back in. 2013? Mm-hmm. No. I'll be five next year. So you didn't pledge while you were in... Well, you were doing your... Taking care of stuff while she was still in grad school. Mm-hmm. And then she... So that was when you... I mean, you were still involved in your community mm-hmm. before, prior to, which is how you were able to be you know, nominated for AKA. Yeah, I was, um, I was, uh, I was vice chair yet, but I was chair of the city planning, yeah. city planning commission. Yeah, city planning commission. Like she literally got the keys to the city. Like just like 
low-key be making a lot of boss moves. So she was doing all of these things, still answering my calls when I was like, I don't even know what was going on my senior year. I was probably, well, last week we used to talk on Sundays after I got out of church because I was like at church every Sunday too. But I was still going through like, I don't know, college stuff. And then I got to Illinois and I was definitely going through stuff. So doing all of that, taking care of our cat, Spooky. Taking care of John Henry. <laughs> Checking on Papa. This is before he um mom became his primary caregiver. But doing all of this and still in school and like low-key killing it at work, like I think you were probably one of the most active. I have I built the largest days. team of uh volunteers in the country. Right. Yeah. Largest large team of volunteers in the country. Just killing it and getting this freaking master's degree. And then, like, what do you think, what about being a non-traditional student you think framed your experience? Um, I don't know if that's I a had, good question. That's though. a good question. I, I had realistic expectations on myself. Mm. Um, Ooh. I didn't need to be on 100. <laughs> that's real. <laughs> and I, you know my saying, and there's no shame to it, bees get degrees. Y'all, it might be on Instagram tomorrow. <laughs> they do, but I still want. And, and to. there's a, there's an addendum to that. What? Don't C's get you through or something like that? No, C-O-A-3. no, you can see your way through. <laughs> not in your PhD. No, nah, I can't get that. You can't even get a C in PhD. I know, program. but B's get degrees. But I I I wanted to get A's because my master's program. I enjoyed it. I did a comparative analysis of uh, Lyndon Baines Johnson's presence, his legacy with the Great Society programs, and a a comparative analysis with uh, President Obama. Oh, uh, yeah. And in the Affordable Care Act. And I was able to integrate a lot of the message points of my employer because we believe that the Affordable Care Act, we being a, you know, my employer, AARP, believes that the Affordable Care Act is not only something for older adults, but it's going to ensure the health and access to health care for future, the future 50 plus yeah. people like you. This and is true. I um, also, the Affordable Care Act is going to be uh, a game changer in our society the same way that the great society programs like the creation of the EPA, the creation of of Medicare, Mm -hmm. all these programs that are 50 years old now, but they are, people felt they were radical. They felt that Lyndon Baines Johnson was radical and he was trying to, you know, do a bad thing just the same way as people uh, don't quite understand don't and still quite don't understand the value of the Affordable Care Act or Obamacare, as some people call it. But um, I believe that just like how now we revered... You you veered off again. How did I veer off? We're talking about how did did you... you No, you (laughs) talked about as a non-traditional student how much I enjoyed school. Because I didn't enjoy school when I was uh, an undergrad. I got... I barely made it. I was. They were singing. Thank you, Lord. I got thank you, Lord. They were singing. Oh, so glad you made it. She made it through. She made it through. That's what they were saying. And so I saw my master's program as a 
non-traditional student as an opportunity to really, of course, you know, in your master's, you get to study kind of a subject that interests you. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's going to help you in your career, but a way to really enjoy school. When I didn't enjoy school before, I did it to get through because I got so sick and tired of people who were dumber than me getting better jobs because they didn't have a degree. What, what? Say that again so people can understand. Okay, so how did you balance family and school? Um, again, a st- strong planning. You have to plan for family time. You mm-hmm. have to plan for uh, Sunday afternoons, after church until nine o'clock was my time to take a nap to do study and then I was gonna watch my television show Housewives. No, you weren't even on Housewives back there yet. I started. Did you start while I was in my that 2012? We started watching it together. No, oh. I wasn't even watching secular TV in 2012. Well, I've had my TV time <laughs> Sunday afternoon still. You wasn't watching Housewives. I was doing yet. my home. Well, I would have my time to just relax and do what I want. I watch Flashpoint and all yeah. those, all news. my news shows. News nerdo. I'm man. a news pun. I'm a news nerdo. Her yes, and I my am. Granddad. All he watches is CNN. Yeah, <laughs> I watch all. I watch change. all of them. Meet the Press, Face the Nation, all of them. Yes. I, will, I love them all. And you talked to me on Sundays back then. Yes, and I talked to you. But that you plan for those things. Yeah. You have to plan for them. You know, plan to go do have dinner with your husband uh, and you have to do activities with your church or your friends or what have you. But also, too, you have uh, your schoolwork um, had deadlines because, yes, we had group projects, but we also had a lot of individual projects. Mm. And I would sometimes lean on my um, classmates to edit for me and I would they would let me look at their papers for structure and how were their ideas and and ways to improve their paper um you know because from a construct I guess standpoint but I um that's really I had a a schedule you know yeah I, I had a schedule so you might, well, I don't, I'll delete it so that they won't. In case you hear me yawn, it's one o'clock in the morning and my bedtime is 1230, but mom's a night owl. I've, I've read myself of the, <laughs> I've read myself of the night owl life, so I'm getting tired. Woo-hoo! And this is probably the longest recording ever so far, but okay. We talked about work, talked about family. I don't know what else. I mean, what else do you want to share about your experience? Or, I mean, what do you think about me being in school? I don't know. We can talk about a lot of stuff. It's up to you. I'm glad that I did two years of my Ph.D. studies at Eastern Michigan University in Ypsilanti. And now that was hard. That was hard. But it also gave me a good perspective or a bird's eye view of what you are experiencing in your Ph.D. Uh, program because um, I know the, the the large amount of reading. Jesus Christ. And the reading. the reading, oh, my God. And then professors that just, I mean, I broke into tears one time in class. I, I'm not ashamed. My professor got up, he got close to me, and he saw the water in my eyes, and the, the tears just came down. And you know what? Other people in the class 
they looked at me strange, but some of them came up to me afterwards. They said, you know, I felt like crying. I said, well, I did. <laughs> this is true. That is real. Yes. And I, uh, I, we can just stop was, and record. You, I can cut words out, so don't okay, tell me where. Okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I yeah, take you at it. Yes. I, uh, I cried. I was, well, were, I, you, were you frustrated? It was you... the first semester. They were using all this terminology. Oh my gosh, it's I so much. didn't know what they were talking about. No. It sounded like some type of gynecological <laughs> uh, term. When he said pedagogy, oh, I was pedagogical. like, yeah, pedagogical. <laughs> I was like, that sounds like just something the OBGYN is going to say. I mean, really. No, I know, I understand. And it was just flying, and the constructs of this, and the, the pedagogy. Yeah. And, and uh, the methodology and the methodology. I was like, okay, are you a pathological liar? What in the world? <laughs> oh my God. And I just was, it, I felt like I was drowning in words and terminology, mm-hmm. and other people acted like they knew what it was. Right. Didn't know what it was. They didn't know what it was either. Right. And then he was talking about, um, I forget what you call it now, where you. It's like a special way to make notes about your reading. Rhetorical pressing? No. Um, I, and it's say the bibliography? Yes. Okay. Yes. And they just figured we knew how to do them. And I was like... But you, you had never had to because your master's was an accelerated program. Right. We so never had to do that. That type, of, that type of research. Correct. And oh my God. I just... But one of my favorite classes in my PhD program was um, uh, poverty and education because I loved my PhD program because it was a unique program at Eastern where the cohort was selected. You could not even apply for this PhD program if you did, if you, uh, unless you had seven years of working experience and you had to have seven years of working experience either in the nonprofit sector, the educational sector, or the health sector. And they, this cohort was split in thirds. A third of the, my colleagues were nurses or nurse practitioners. A third were principals or educators or special administrators. And then the other third were like people like myself who had nonprofit experience because Eastern's approach to truly urban education, you must incorporate the health of the child, the uh, resources in the community to support the family, and then, of course, strong um, educational programs for the children to learn and for the school to be seen as a place for community, and they felt that if all three of those sectors are working together, that's really how you build strong urban educational programs. And because you have to address the stressors that children mm-hmm. and their families experience, and nonprofit organizations, not government, really are the, 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 the warriors now who are helping to address poverty and, mm-hmm. and isolation, food insecurity. Uh, domestic violence, economic, you know, uh, economic, all those type of things. So um, 
I liked that approach because that aligns with my theory about how education truly can change the trajectory of your life. People say, oh, well, everybody knows that. But if you don't know how to engage and get involved in your child's education or to increase your own educational levels, you can still, you still could, even with all the resources that are out there, why there's so many people who don't, who don't make it, who don't participate, who don't help their children. And I'm like, they don't know how, and they don't have the social capital, they don't have the the access to the resources, or they feel that the educational system is built to block them out Mm -hmm. and not embrace them. And I feel, I know that education was vital, was necessary in order for our lives to change, and I wanted you to acquire as much education as possible so that the, the trajectory of your life, and like I told you, when you told me you got into this PhD program, I told her, I said, this is the, your, the trajectory of your grandchildren has been changed by you getting this PhD from Carnegie Mellon. Not about your children, your grandchildren. Because you're, it's going to just change the, 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 the path. So I said to myself, if I don't feel I'm that bright, but if I can figure it out, what can I do to help create educational environments where women, men, and families of all races and economic uh, levels feel welcomed and can feel empowered to help their children acquire education. So that's why my research interest was in parental involvement because yes. I believe, you know, parents parents are the first ch- teacher of their child. Just And I didn't have an undergrad at the time when you were small, but I knew I, it was important for you to get certain things and to be exposed to certain things. And even if I couldn't afford them financially, I had to re- be creative and, and, and find ways to engage. Like you were going out to Cranbrook. You were going out to Cranbrook and I couldn't afford it. Sometimes I didn't have enough gas to get home. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Let me tell you about this lady. And, and really speaking about this parental advocacy um, concept that she was working on before, my mom was like the seek the seeker and finder of everything free in Detroit. If it had an educational bend to it, I was in it. So I went to space camp. I went to math camp. I went to engineering camp. I went to engineering. I went to DAPSA from fourth grade until 10th grade. And then I went to math core from (laughs) mom's on Facebook. So paying attention to my podcast. From I went to math for seventh grade. I got started mm-hmm. seventh grade. No, I started eighth grade. So because yeah. she she wrote my essay in seventh grade, but I didn't want to go. She, I got I somehow finagled my way out of it. I said you going. Yeah, the next year was non negotiable, and I had to go, and I loved it because I stayed until my first year of college working there, um, and then I didn't come home again for the summer. So did that just space camp maybe two or three summers SEMA mm-hmm. or not even summers during the school year and stuff mm-hmm. too I was like the first girl on the Legos team in middle school she made me do that then there was this program called Cranbrook Young Scholars or something for um those not familiar I don't even have any followers yet so let me just tell you about Cranbrook 
So, Cranbrook uh, Young coming. Scholars. Huh? They're coming. You're right. Thank you, Mama. Um, is a... Uh, Cranbrook is like a private school in Detroit. I think they have a campus in Detroit and in Florida. Metro is uh, suburbs. Yeah, I mean, right. Obviously not like actually in Detroit, but in the suburbs. But it's like really fancy and really expensive. How much the children board there is $20,000 a year. That was back when I was going to mm-hmm. high school. So that was 10 years ago. No, that was 14 years ago when I started high school. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. So <clears throat> they this bo- it's a bo- it's like they board the school, the kids. I mean, they probably all went to Ivy Leagues or, you know, were top of their class at the Michigans and stuff like that. So um yeah, I she wanted me to consider going there when I was in middle school, which shows I you know how I was going to pay for it. <laughs> the faith that my mother has in my intellect. <laughs> But, um, you know, I took the test for the good old DPS, and I got into CAS, so we're just going to go with that. And I'm happy I went to CAS, but she, um, they, I don't think I got picked in the first round for Cranbrook Young Scholars, and I think you went to the principal's office and asked why, why you didn't fit. The next thing I know, I was on the bus getting <laughs> shipped out to Cranbrook <laughs> once a month. And I think I got paid too, so it was actually mm-hmm. quite nice. It was a really good little program. But my we mom went to Canada. Yeah, we did. We went to Canada. We, it was a nice program, but it was like essentially shipping shipping inner city kids out to the nice suburb school for the weekend. That that's really was. I don't remember what I did there, but I just felt like they thought they were doing us a favor. I don't Some know. of the most elite visual artists come out of Cranbrook. Yeah, and, I, I mean it was and, cool. Yeah, but. Yeah, we just, just still. The point is, mom was an advocate. She even like, she just, she would just go in there and be like, "Why is Nalante getting this?" And next thing you know, I was getting that that uh, resource or being tapped into that resource. So, I think she really made a good point, and I know that her advocacy was um, useful in like me getting where I am now. Even though now I have to learn how to advocate for myself when I'm getting in sticky situations in grad school. but And you know what? I'm still yeah. in the habit. I find all kinds of programs for children. I, I said, if Alante was a little girl, you'd be in Go Girls. I would not have code by now. Probably yes, you'd be in coding. For sure, you'd be in a coding. You'd be in coder. I mean, there are so many STEM-free programs for girls, but a lot of young girls that I've met that they don't want to do that. Everybody wants that singer. Well, I mean, and that's why I know I have to do a little bit more because I feel like they kids, well, I'm getting older, but like three years ago, kids that thought I was like, they age and relatable and like young and hip. Now I'm like slightly less hip. Mm-hmm. Then you're well, supposed to say no, Alante. You're still hip. You, you are hip. hip. You said it. Mm. She didn't even. <laughs> I don't care. Being hip, we're like these are skills that we need. That we need the sciences. You know, I heard not to jump around, but this is a conversation. Yeah. I remember as a student at Michigan State after you, you know, we had come back. Back to school. I, I went back to school with 
pretty much a two-year-old with me. And, uh, yeah, because you were just potty trained. That's how you, yeah, you were potty trained, so you were almost two. And I remember hearing a study about that children born to single parents don't do well in math and science. And I heard that, I think, on the radio. I even talked about this in my Ph.D. interview before the panel. And they, one of the professors knew the study mm-hmm. that I was talking of. And I said, I was just in my mind, even though I was driving an old Oldsmobile Calais with the paint chipping off the top, and I didn't have money sometimes for babysitters, so I'd take you to class with me or whatever. I said, this is not going to be my child's destiny. So what? She, I'm a single parent. She's going to do well in math and science. And I just, it was just like a steel trap. <laughs> this is true, because you saw that when I was two. And I was determined that you were not, you were going to prove that wrong. But it wasn't that I was knowledgeable. And so, but I was also fortunate to, you know, I'm not taking all this credit for myself. I always say Alante is the ultimate um, group project because I had other young women like Dr. Bellamy. Mm-hmm. She wasn't a PhD at the time. She was a master's student. She was getting, you know, beginning her PhD. She saw, took an interest in me and was, you know, giving good mentorship and even sponsorship to a certain extent. And I I had my mother and different, you know, my dad, my your grandfather, and my mother's friends who were all professional women, uh, educators predominantly, and how they all gave good advice and, and advisement. But then also I had to have the desire on my own, you know, to look for things to help augment the parenting that I was providing for you. And also because I couldn't pay for a private school, especially after my mother passed, because you were in private school until my mother passed. And I said, okay, I've got to compliment and add to everything that she's getting in private, in public school. And then when we moved to Detroit, I looked she for the best. I'm not from Detroit, mom. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Just go back and do that and edit it out. Yeah. So when we moved to the new yeah. next city, that's where I put No, no they, we moved to, so she had me when she was at Michigan State, so I'm Lansing, and then we moved to Detroit. Oh, okay. Well, she said it. I did. Um, I, before we left, I researched, I worked for a state legislator and told my, you know, I told my boss that I wanted to move to Detroit and I wanted to put my daughter in the best math and science elementary school that there was. And he, he, uh, I got to speak to the lobbyist for Detroit public schools. And his name was, his name was Dr. Art Carter. God rest his soul. And uh, he told me, go lightly Bates Mm -hmm. or this new school that was located inside the science center. I remember. And I said, I checked in the Bates and it said, oh, I got 800 kids in it. It was huge. 
to me, it seemed large. Mm-hmm. Well, Bates goes from K to eight, so mm-hmm. there's a lot of children there. And I knew, and Golightly was far east, and I wasn't familiar with it, but I was intrigued that the school was located inside the science center. We're better to learn about science. I mean, that was very common sense. Right. The logic is is clear, but also... It's very basic. Very shallow. It's right. very basic. But it was good. Yeah. Because you met, do- you met Dr. You met Ms. Hale. She's about to be a PhD. She's about to be... Really? You yeah. saw she commented on my post. I saw that. So I, I just want to like actually highlight really quickly that I just... It never registered that I met a black woman with her PhD when I was a kid. And I didn't realize, I knew Dr. Bellamy wasn't a medical doctor, but yeah. I, it didn't register, you know, really until right now. Like, I've been interacting with a woman who has her, a black woman with her PhD, mm-hmm. I mean, really my whole life. Because mm-hmm. your Aunt Mildred, your great yeah, Aunt Mildred, Aunt Mildred had she had her PhD. I didn't know she that. She had an honorary and a urn. <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah, I think that definitely had some some impact on normalizing because Dr. Bellamy in my head we always call her Dr. Bellamy mm-hmm. but was very chill so sweet so nice and instead of calling her you know Miss also like I call her the rest of my mom's friends I just call her Dr. Bellamy mm-hmm. so it was just like just a different handle for her but it and then um Mrs. Hale who's now Mrs. She's on her way to be yeah, Dr. She's, Hale. I didn't know that she... No, Dr. Walker. Oh, yeah, excuse me. Got a new name. <laughs> but, Got a new name. <laughs> um, like, you know, having her as a, as a teacher, she was definitely... And she was versatile, too, because she was first my language arts teacher. And then she started teaching me science. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was good at... She was actually better at science. She was way more enthusiastic when she started teaching, science, teaching us science. And then... Um, the older lady, Dr. What? She was the older. She was older. She was like the vice principal, but she taught the DAPSEP in school class. And she ran the science fair when we were in the science center still. She was old, dark skin, short. You I don't, can't I don't remember. remember her name either. But I think she had her PhD too. I know the principal didn't though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, then, and then Dr. Then you met Dr. Clark when you were in high school because yeah. I was at working at Wayne. Oh, yeah. That's so true. And then the people I met at Math Corps and DAPSEP. So DAPSEP is a Detroit um, program that teaches engineering from, I want to say, like, third, might be third. It's yeah. kindergarten now, yeah, but I'm when like, you were little, it yeah, started at third. third right. So mm-hmm. four, I started in, in my fourth year, like I said earlier. Um, but this program um, usually relied on the graduate students and college students of the different universe institutions they were kind of housed at. So I met black graduate students and at you, Michigan, you and, know what I mean? In Michigan and in biomedical D. engineering yeah. at, at U of D. And then at math Corps, I met PhD math. students that were math, math and yeah. they were black and they were from DPS and they were just normal. They were normal. They were nerdy kids who were still in school that's all I really thought of them as so it just really normalized a lot of this for me and it wasn't because I had some special education or 
we were like rich people who knew other rich people or like, <laughs> you know, people who are professors who are We didn't have a lot of social capital, but I had social uh, 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 aspirations. Yeah. And you and you and you worked it for sure. So, oh, when your school was having challenges, I went to meetings. I practically stalked the superintendent of schools, Doctor. God rest his soul. I was at Doctor Burnley's so meetings. Killing these people when he he Not was really. whatever. When he would look up, I'd be sitting there and I'd just wave. But I was never hostile. I'd say, Doctor Burnley, I sent you an email about the children who were at at uh, Detroit area schools for the science and tech. I says we need a building. Remember, we, we we were in Hutchins. Oh, we were in Hutchins. Hutchins was a neighborhood school. It was, and those our children, they, they terrorized you yeah, all. Yeah, we definitely got bullied. We were a bunch of nerds. Yeah, and you were up on the floor that I was afraid of what was going to happen. And unfortunately, a, a child was physically assaulted there at that school. Don't you remember that? No, I remember. I don't remember Oh, g- Google it. It happened. And I, I was like, oh, and so I was the president I ran. Oh, yeah. I was president of the LSCO for her school, yeah. and how you know what? I ran on the platform. I was gonna stop selling candy, <laughs> <laughs> and you didn't sell candy, Dave. We didn't sell candy. We had a part. We had a fundraiser, like a tr- like a the fundraiser that I am. I got ten pairs to sell ten tickets each. We made it more than profit. From a party at the comfort zone and up oh, in yeah. the candy sale all year long <laughs> and had fun. Right. And y'all had to have a night out without the kids. Yeah. Think about it. Ten people sold ten tickets. And how much were the tickets? Ten dollars. That's it? Yeah. Oh, so you made a stack real quick. Sure did. That's a thousand dollars. Isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. I mean, the math and certainly all the, the parents were so happy because they didn't want to have to sell all that dang old candy. And you make it five dollars. And I, I started with taking a getting a little bitty gift card. I brought those five dollar pizzas to the meetings because people need to eat. And if you came, I'd have a little raffle. And also, I'd have a time where this teacher or the principal could come in and talk to us, and I'd let it know, be known. We are not here to manage the school. That's what the teachers and the principals are here for. We are just to share with them some of our challenges that we have. And the the principals, Miss almost said her name, almost said her name, your principal. Miss Moore. Miss Moore. Mm-hmm. She appreciated that. Because a lot of LSCOs and parental parental groups, they see themselves as trying to be the police or to to jump on the teacher. Because my father's a teacher, I always come from a place of empathy and compassion for the teacher because... Except Miss Cope, not Miss Cope. Yeah, not Miss Cope. She was terrible. Well, Miss Cope, this is a story I think (laughs) all people need to hear. Because Alante, I did not want to stifle her ability to stand up respectfully to an, ad- an adult. The teacher was wrong, but the way, you know, Alante spoke up and the, I came to the school. That wasn't that happened that day. Well, all I remember is <laughs> I told you, and I think the teacher, she picked up on it though. I told you, I said, if the teacher says that the sky is purple, you and I both know it's not purple. <laughs> but there's a way that you deal with it. 
And I let her know in, in code, me and my daughter know you crazy. But I also am teaching her how to respect people, but that it's okay that you recognize it. Because some people would, would just beat the child down or break the child down saying, you don't speak up, you don't do... I know, I didn't say that. No, you didn't. And I, I also... Uh, uh, I'm going to just share the story because it was sure. so funny. Go ahead. So, Miss Miss Cope was teaching, and I that was not a fan. And I really believe that she affected my relationship with social sciences and, and social studies because that's what she taught, and I don't. I don't care for history. I, I know that I should appreciate it more, but I don't, and I think that she might have affected my, my relationship with, with the field. Um, I might have been the next... Like, I don't know, amazing historian, but instead I'm here in engineering. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> so she was getting on my nerves one day or the day before. And so I wrote another a letter to everybody like, what we going to do at 252 is we going to drop all our pencils. And, and our classes were overloaded with students. There were about 35 kids to every class. So there were a lot of people in the class. So we're going to drop our pencils and we're going to stand up and yawn. I got 32 out of 35 people to, to agree. I love it. <laughs> I just passed the note around. And, An and insurrection. I, and I, I was sitting in the front of class, too, because I like to sit in the front of class most days because I won't pay attention if I'm in the back. And uh, so that day, and just as bold as, as I'll get out, I the time comes, I just raise my hand and count one, two, three, and the teacher looking at me like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> and everybody dropped their pencils and yawned. And I I was like, yes, in your <laughs> face. But obviously, I had to go to the principal's office after that. And my mama had to come in. And uh, me, me and Miss Copa had some other run-ins since the fourth grade. This is about seventh grade, eighth grade by then. Mm-hmm. We had had a couple run-ins. But she... Um, Besides Miss Cope, though, we had some good teachers at that school. You did, and you were totally yeah. immersed in science and math oh, and yeah. technology. You went to math science camp. You mm-hmm. all went to camp. Uh, it was scary and fun, but... Oh, the Ortonville? Yeah. Oh, yeah, and we used to go to physics day at Cedar Point and learn about physics. physics. Yeah, I That's mean, so true. Yeah. You, you just were immersed in yeah. it. You brought cat hair with you. Oh, great. Smoky. I was sitting here itching my eye trying to figure out what it was. Smoky. Oh, I yeah. Smoky, me too. He's a good study. That was another thing. Smoky helped me through my master's and my PhD because I stayed up late a mini night with that PhD. Yeah, oh, was. my God. And he would sit up and he'd lay there like, okay, you reading? And I some of the techniques that I've tried to share even with you even though it's been a minute uh get with a group a reading group that saved me what when i took that midterm this week all i knew was if i did not have this reading group i would not know what the f is on this thing because there were still things that we didn't cover and we had like three good midterm study sessions like three hours four hour study sessions mm-hmm. and there were still questions that we didn't even think they would ask mm. you know and mm. I'm like I couldn't imagine trying to figure all of this out on my mm. own oh yeah and you like can't, you can't do it oh my gosh that exam I was literally like I had I was sweating by the time it was over like I was this was crazy but yeah reading groups are definitely a powerful thing and what else what other strategies you got mama well 
That's one. That's one. I think I've shared a lot. <laughs> okay. So, um, mom has shared her her story as a as a parent slash uh, grad student, and now that you're the parent of a professional, the student. proud parent, <laughs> the proud parent. I was at a conference today. Met Dr. Janetta Cole. Google her. She bad. She's the former president of Spelman. And a, a living African American icon, an American icon in education and, and, and civil rights. I told her, I says, my daughter's getting her PhD from Carnegie Mellon and went to North Carolina AT, and she was like, You let her know I'm waiting on her. I said, I will. She I'm very proud of you. Thank you. Um do you feel like there's anything that a parent can do. Oh, wait, we didn't even talk about Papa. It's, it's been 40 minutes, though. That's the next podcast. Yeah, so, yeah, we'll have to talk. I do want to do, like, something um, related to caregiving. As I know, I know a couple of graduate students that are caregivers, actually. And um, I'm sure Mom could come back on, and maybe we can get ARP to sponsor that particular podcast episode. I don't know. Just, just saying it out loud, you know. See how that can go. And and, um, I think that's it. Um, I hope that you enjoyed this. If it was overly long, let me know. And thanks for listening. Yo, thanks so much for taking time out of your life to listen to my podcast. If you're thinking about going to graduate school, you probably know application season is upon us. If you're feeling a little stress, a little anxiety, or even worse, procrastination, use my free e-course to get rid of all of that. You can find it on my website, strengthsnotstrikes.com. The music is Friday and gotta get up from the Passion Hi-Fi on SoundCloud. All right, y'all, go be great. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.